ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, Dan Fitzgerald is my name and thanks a lot for joining me for the program this Friday lunchtime. Up soon you're going to hear from a truckie who is stuck at the Vic River Roadhouse by the flooded Victoria River. Currently we've got uh, half a dozen road trains here which we're relocating to higher ground uh, based on the fact the river is still rising and the owner uh, seems pretty convinced that it's going to come into the servo so he's running around putting a plan afoot. Yeah, that river is well and truly over top of the 19-metre high bridge. It is still rising today. We'll bring you more information on that river and a bunch of others that are in flood right across the top end. We'll be crossing to the Weather Bureau at our regular time at 1.05. And with all those rivers on the rise, it's really important to remain crockwise. We know crocodiles travel up to 300 kilometres looking for food and a mate. So they're moving around, um, they're hungry, and the best thing to do to stay safe is stay five metres back from the edge. Yeah, all these stories and plenty more on the Country Hour today. Well, in some breaking news, the federal government has rejected an offer to settle the long-running live export class action. Of course, back in 2020, a group of cattle producers, exporters and service providers, they won a class action in the federal court, which found that the former Labor government's 2011 decision to ban live exports to Indonesia was unlawful. And in the years since, well, only the lead claimant, the Brett Cattle Company, has received any form of compensation. And this morning, the federal government, it rejected the remaining claimant's offer to settle this whole case for $510 million plus costs and interests, which could have resulted in a total figure of more than $800 million. A short time ago, I spoke to the NT Cattlemen's Association President David Connolly about the letter received from the federal government this morning. Today, the class action lawyers received a letter from the Australian Government Solicitor's Office uh, rejecting our offer with no reason given, no counter-offer, no explanation, nothing, nada. And so as a result of that, Dan, our offer has now lapsed. That generous offer by the class to end this once and for all is now off the table. The way the government's handling this, Albanese, Dreyfus, Burke, Murray Watt, Sky Laris, it's completely disingenuous. It's a disgrace. I feel betrayed. The claimants feel betrayed. The industry feels betrayed. In fact, rural and regional Australia feels betrayed by this cowardly and disrespectful government. And the government's off the rails. The voice, the cost of living, the rising power costs and port strikes, etc. These are the continuing actions of a government hell-bent on punishing the rural sector, punishing those who didn't vote for them and will not vote for them, punishing those who don't believe the lies of this government and refuse to surrender to their cruel actions, both past and present. Government declared themselves to be model litigants. The model litigant rules require government to, amongst other things, deal with claims promptly, avoid delays, pay out legitimate claims without further litigation, 
and limit scope of proceedings whenever possible. The government are not model litigants and the class is not holding up the proceedings. Mark Dreyfus this morning claiming otherwise is despicable and it's out of touch. This class action was won in 2020. The ban was in 2011. It was based on misfeasance, which is a very hard case to win. And the ruling scares the government for what they may face from other industries that they are destroying. There was a reckless indifference to the injury it would cause despite the advice given. Government continue to play dirty tactics around the discovery and other measures in this case. Litigation should be about justice, but where the government is involved, uh, particularly this government, it is about votes and political power and an unlimited supply of taxpayer funds to continue to do this. So this is all about political power and votes, Dan. It's a grubby little sordid business this government is engaged in. They don't like rural Australia and they would rather be ordered to pay from the courts than be seen to be settling with these claimants. Just going back to today's letter, there was no reasoning as to why that was rejected. You've just got a flat off uh, of no. No, we just got some. We got some weasel words that lawyers write, um, with all due respect to lawyers, saying um, we don't uh, we don't accept your counteroffer. Full stop. Goodbye. The, the government continues the cruelty to hardworking rural Australians caught up in this class with that letter, Dan. The cowardly actions from a government that refuses to accept the consequences of their own actions. What what I'm worried about is how do I go back to all the claimants and try to explain what this government is doing to them? This action has been going on so long that some family members who commenced the claim have passed on and will never see they'll never see justice. And and the other upsetting thing is that this government is made up of mostly the same people who in cabinet in 2011 when they betrayed the good, honest, hard-working families after sitting down with them and sharing a meal with them in some cases. Given that it, you know, it has gone on for three years and it's still going, should the claimants have accepted the government's $215 million offer and, and maybe moved on? No. Otherwise, we would have done it. That's the simple answer. There's 215 claimants. There's a, there's a large legal bill and a lot of interest paid since since 2020 when the when the action was um, ruled against the government. So the $215 million offered was free of any interest and free of any legal fees. So the claimants are going to get, you know, they're not going to get enough money to, to truck the cattle down south where they had to send them at the time to try and, you know, try and stop the poor things dying or other actions. I mean, what I'd expect now, Dan, is that there'd be, There'll be classic class action dirty tactics from the government now where they try and splinter the group and deal singly to each of the class action members, which will try and give the government strength. But they won't splinter this group. This group suffered enough, you know, they've suffered together, they'll stay together. That's because people on the land, the cattlemen, are a resilient people, Dan. We're hardened and forged by climate and conditions. If government expects us to wither or cave in now, then guess again. I can tell you with absolute certainty, our resolve has never been firmer. And despite the harm the government is inflicting on us, we're not frightened by them. We're not weakened and we're up for this fight and we will continue to fight until we get the justice we have fought for for over a decade. Is there a possibility this will end up back before the courts? I reckon every possibility. And it will probably end in um, you know, single, 
mediation with each of the claimants, 215 mediations, because government doesn't care. It's not their money. This is not Anthony Albanese or Tony Burks or Mark Dreyfus or or um, the Agricultural Minister Murray Watt, who's disappointed me beyond reason, as you can imagine. I feel so betrayed by him. That it'll go to single mediation, which will cost the taxpayer more money. Our claim, uh, our counterclaim the other day for $510 million was to try to try to put a stop to the expense that's going to the Australian taxpayer and settle this once and for all. But by going to mediation, by dragging it out, by not being model litigants, by continuing to say in the newspaper that, oh, it's not us, the government, that's, that's dragging this out, they're just costing more money and they don't care. Well, uh, there's still a long way to go in this story, David. Um, just before we let you go, um, tell us how the last uh, week or so has been at Tipperary with all the rain and the and the daily on the rise. How are things looking? Well, it's been very wet, Dan. Uh, over the last 13 days, we've had in excess of 800 millimetres of rain, which is um, 32 inches in the old scale. Uh, the daily river's up very high. Um, it's 14 and a half metres over our over our crossing here on Tipperary. Uh, it's pushed out about two kilometres wide, so we can't get to the crossing. The country's, country's very sodden, so it's letting all its water go. All the creeks are up. But um, it's been fantastic. It was such a, such a hot and dry build-up this year, and, it, and the wet took so long to come in. So it's, uh, you know, I'm not complaining. It's been uh, fantastic. That's good to hear. Thanks for your time on the Country Hour. Thanks, Dan. Bye now. David Connolly, he is president of the NT Cattlemen's Association, speaking there about the wet weather. And before that, the fact that the federal government has rejected the live industry's class actions offer to settle the class action. They had made an offer of $510 million, and that's been knocked back by the government. We have contacted the Attorney General's office, Mark Dreyfus, for comment. and We've yet to hear back from them. The National Farmers Federation has put out a statement. Its acting CEO, Charlie Thomas, said that this is a petty and callous move by a government which seems determined to deny justice to these families at all costs. He goes on to say that they had the chance to do the right thing and end years of pain. Instead, they've chosen to allow this matter to fester and to be dragged back through the courts. Uh, Keep an eye on the ABC Rural Facebook page the ABC Rural website, uh, where there'll be an un- online story up on that shortly. It is 20 to 1 here on the Country Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald, on ABC Radio right across the Territory. My name is Drew Abel King and I work at Lindavale Station and you're listening to the Country Hour. Let's take a look at the Victoria River now, south of Darwin. There is a flood warning out for that river. Uh, The water has again risen overnight and further rises are well and truly likely. Uh, The river, it's way over top of the 19.5 metre high bridge, meaning, of course, that the Victoria Highway is currently closed. It's closed from just outside of Catherine all the way to the WA border. And there's a number of people who are sort of stuck, stranded by floodwaters there at the moment. Max Henderson, he's uh, one of a couple of truck drivers who've been parked up at the Vic River Roadhouse for a few days now. And he said, uh, well, this morning they've been busy trying to move things to higher ground as the floodwaters continue to rise. Annie Brown had a chat with him 
a short while ago this morning. I run a road train from Perth to Darwin and currently on my return trip we've struck all this water and I'm currently stranded along with six other trucks at Vic River along with uh, quite a few other vehicles. Um, at this stage it's unknown what it's going to do. So Max, can you paint us a bit of a picture of what it looks like at the Vic River Roadhouse this morning? Well, at, at the, the roadhouse itself, the rain's eased off. We had a couple of good storms last night. However, according to the owner, that's not the issue. The issue is out behind us, 30 or 40 k's away. But uh, currently we've got uh, half a dozen road trains here which we're relocating to higher ground uh, based on the the river is still rising and the owner uh, seems pretty convinced that it's going to come into the servo. So he's running around putting a plan afoot to um, get play things in place before nightfall rather than do it in the dark. He's, he does have um, people staying in the chalets out the back, uh, which he's spoken to. Um, he himself will be spending the night with us, uh, bring his trapper over and he's told the people in the village if they knock on the door it's time to move. But we'll get a far better picture of all this by three o'clock. The water actually rose last night uh, probably a, a good metre where yesterday it didn't need to be moving. So there's still water coming down the track. Yeah, right. So a lot of water around. To give us an idea for people who might not be so familiar, how far is the, the roadhouse from the river and the bridge? Well, from the roadhouse to the actual bridge, it would be, if you walk down onto the road, it's probably a couple of hundred metres down to the actual bridge itself, which disappeared days ago. Uh, and that the water has continually risen and the roadhouse sitting on what you quite high land but the the water has risen so much now it's to the entrance uh, of the roadhouse where you're swinging with your trucks and cars so um, it's, it's still got to come up a bit uh, but uh, he's convinced that there's still a lot of water to come so he's uh, he's all over it and um, he's, it just we've just got to be prepared by this afternoon and I think once it if it does come up into the servo um, should be a long time going down. So uh, we might have to look at ways and means of getting people out of there. So you've been there for a few days now. Um, what does this mean for your plans for, for getting out? Well, normally we would ride it out uh, because this sort of thing's not uncommon to truck drivers, but um, normally it's only two or three days. Uh, but the plan would be if, if, if the water we're parked up and everything, and if the water does come up, they'll um, look and help the cops out here and get us home until it all resides, and then we'll come back. Where's home for you, Max? Sorry, home for me is Bustleton. So back in WA, in, uh, yeah. Back in WA, Bustleton and Southwest. Um, there's a, quite a few eastern state trucks here that are heading to the west. Uh, there's a Darwin-based truck there, a fuel tanker. He's got all the avgas on for broom. Uh, and then there's just a general train that runs out of Kununurra to Darwin. Uh, yeah, but home for me is Bustleton. Has this happened to you before? You say there's an, a, not an unfamiliar circumstance for truck drivers, but have you been stuck in the wet season floods like this? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not uncommon 
to uh, to be stuck at rivers and stuff like that uh, for up to two or three days, or even sometimes up to a week. It, it has got so much better now because they sweat and, and won't let you go through into the remote part where the flooding is, so you have access to thing to to all amenities. Um, a bit slow, the main roads, Northern Territory, a bit slow getting uh, things happening out of Catherine, I feel, with this. Um, a bit slow getting road closure signs off out of Catherine. There was a couple of people that came through from the Catherine area on uh, Wednesday, which had to be heli lifted out. They, uh, they got stuck in their little truck and a little car, so they had to be rescued. But uh, the, the, the road sewing closed, went to, to put it up at Buntine, I think, Buntine Highway. But it, there was still traffic allowed to come out of Catherine, and uh, I thought they were a bit slow getting going there. But uh, but yeah, nothing nothing uncommon. But this is this is a big wet for me. Um, yeah, anything over six or seven days for me is still getting into my records. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully you can get out soon. But what's it been like at the Vic River Roadhouse for the last few days? Oh, it's, it's fine. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's probably a bit different for the travellers because the truckers, we've, we've got everything set up. And during the wet season, you're always carrying extra supplies and stuff. Uh, we have our own beds and air conditioners and stuff like that. But the general consensus and uh, mood around the roadhouse has been really, really good. Um, there's a few of them as time you know starting to stretch and watch the water level going up, and so, a few of them starting to get a bit towy, uh, as you'd expect. And, and just just a young couple with a family, Milton's got his on them to make sure they're going to be all right. Well, Max, thanks for having a chat with us and telling us what's happening. We'll stay in touch, and hopefully the water goes down sooner. It's, it doesn't reach as high as what they're thinking. What, yeah, well, that that's what I I'm thinking, Annie. Uh, if it, even if it comes up another metre, we're still well and truly okay. But if it continues to rise, uh, it's more so getting out of the place after everything's calmed down. Uh, just it takes as long to reside as it does to come up. So and then then you don't know what damage is done to roads either side of the roadhouse. So that's another issue to be dealt with once it all goes down. So uh, so there's a couple of weeks of um, Interesting uh, activity, mate. Are you on your way to Darwin or back to Perth? No, I was going back to Perth. Um, yeah, I was going back to Perth, but uh, I'm not at the moment. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, hopefully you're back on the road soon. Um, Max, is there anything else you'd like to say or mention anything's important to get across at this stage? The only thing is that, that we're, all the truck drivers have talked about is the same thing with the road closures and stuff. If the, the road close sign is across the road, don't drive around it, and this is what I feel has happened yesterday or something. There's a pet communication or something's gone wrong, so um, don't drive around road close signs. Use the travel maps; they're the most important app you'll have on your phone if you're travelling through the Northern Territory and Kimberleys during the wet season. Max Anderson, he's a truck driver from way down in Southwest. Western Australia. He's currently parked up at the Vic River Roadhouse. He's been there for a couple of days already and he's likely to be there for a few more. 
As we heard, the Victoria River is still rising there. It's over top of the 19-metre high bridge and it is coming up close to the Vic River Roadhouse. People there at the Roadhouse are busy trying to move important things to higher ground because they are worried, very worried that that river is going to flood through the the Roadhouse. So fingers crossed it, it stays out of the Roadhouse itself. There's uh, a bunch of flood warnings out across the top end at the moment. Um, of course, the Victoria Highway is closed between the Mambaloo Airfield Access, so just outside of Catherine, all the way to the Western Australian border. Uh, that highway, we've been told, is likely to remain closed well into sort of next week sort of time. Uh, the Buntine Highway is shut between the Vic Highway intersection and Waddy Creek down at Kakarinji. Central Arnhem Road is closed at the Waterhouse River. And, yeah, there's flood warnings out for uh, the big... Rivers right across the top end. Uh, the Daly River, there's some moderate flooding occurring at the Daly River Police Station. Uh, there's a flood warning out for the Catherine River up towards the gorge. So minor flooding is occurring at the Nipmaluk Centre uh, in town it is fine at the moment. The river, from what I've seen around Catherine, is just uh, peaking at 11 metres at the railway gauge. And, of course, there's still a severe weather warning for um, parts of the Daly, the Arnhem, the Carpentaria and down into the Barkley. And we'll be getting the latest from the Weather Bureau at about five past one. Wet season storms are spectacular, but they need to be treated with respect as they can bring heavy rain, winds, lightning strikes and flash flooding. So if a storm hits, stay indoors to keep safe. Secure your pets, unplug appliances and don't use your landline phone. Have your emergency kit prepared, especially with a torch or lantern in case the power goes out. And keep listening for updates to ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory, your emergency broadcaster. Uh, time now to take a look at what's happening with cotton prices. Cotton, well, it's, it can be, influx, can be impacted by a whole bunch of things right across the globe, really. Um, things like high interest rates, concerns about a looming recession and low consumer demands. And yeah, Pete Johnson, he's a cotton marketer. He says uh, there's some complex things going forward. Across the board, we've seen consumers take a bit of a back step over the last 12, 18 months. Just general global, global ec- macroeconomic concerns, inflationary pressures, cost of living. We, you know, we, we, we know the hymn sheet there, I suppose. But And cotton being a discretionary item, you buy less socks and jocks when things get tight, and that impacts retail demand. Um, so we've seen that, and it was pretty well flagged. And I think where where we saw the market react was the retailers and the wholesalers just slowing down their order flow to spinning mills and, and weavers. And then that obviously slowed down order flow for raw cotton. But now we're in a situation where those inventories are pretty much just at replacement levels, you know, like they've, they've just got to keep replacing because there's not much there. It's a just-in-time uh, situation that mills have to keep replacing cotton, which is a good thing. Um, there's no no slack in the in the global inventory across the whole supply chain. So it means at the moment mills are happy to buy? Yeah, they are. They're happy to buy for nearby requirements. There's no real confidence there for them to step in and buy five, six months out, which is what you see in a really healthy bull, bullish market, but they're happy to go and buy where I mean, so they're happy to buy Feb, March, April at the moment. That that sort of thing. So, and at the moment, you've got 
the you know we're basically sold out of our old crop so they're not really inquiring too much for Australian they're inquiring a little bit for Australian for, for May June but not a lot so the focus is now on the US crop and remaining Brazilian crop as well and that might sound bad is it actually bad in in practice no it's not it's it's I think it's actually great like we're, we're seeing the 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 futures market had been drifting lower because there hadn't been a lot of apparent demand for US cotton but that was because the demand was focused further out and the US cotton wasn't available remembering that the the futures market is more a function or heavily influenced by US supply demand fundamentals as much as worlds so and every week we get this um, marvelous US weekly export sales report from the USDA um, which gives you a really transparent guide as to where the demand sits for US cotton and and the market reacts to that. And so what we're seeing over the last four or five weeks is demand for US cotton is picking up as their bales move into shippable positions and the market's reacting to those strong USDA export sales report, which is good. It's pushing the futures market higher, which helps our market as well. So essentially the US is going to fill that gap for the next four, five, six months until Australian cotton starts hitting the market and then we can hopefully slot in right as they're finishing? Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping for. Um, so I, like, just to give you an example, Alice, from through our ginning season, we were quite easily shipping six, 700,000 bales a month of Australian cotton. Now that's coming to an end. We've already basically shipped out. So that then swings straight to the US. The Brazilians will just, just keep shipping because their biggest constraint, their, their biggest issue is logistical constraints. They've got a big crop and they've got plenty of plenty of available supply, but they just they're limited in what they can get out each each month. So the US demand and the US shipments are picking up to replace the 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 Aussie that's not there. We're thinking like when you do the numbers, you can see that come July, August, or pro- hopefully sooner. U.S. cotton will start to be in pretty scarce supply. And that- Pete Johnson there, he's a, a cotton marketer and he was speaking there with Alice Marshall. It is coming up to 1 o'clock here on the Country Hour. Uh, we had a text in asking if the Stewart Highway is closed north of Tennant Creek. Well, looking at the NT Road Report website, uh, it says it's not closed, but there is a warning to drive with caution as there is water over the Stewart Highway. That's between about 20 kilometres north of three ways to the Mary Ann Dam turnoff, and there is also water sort of over the road at the Barclay Highway intersection. So, yeah, please do drive with care if you're out there. Um, up after the news, we'll be heading to the Weather Bureau. Speak to you in five minutes. Lisa Pepper and I'm in here at Darwin Port where we're currently in the process of loading a couple of thousand head onto the Greyman Express for live export and thanks for listening to the Country Hour. Dan Fitzgerald is my name. Thanks a lot for joining me for the Country Hour and in some big news for people in the live export industry. We can tell you that today the Federal Government has rejected the class action's latest offer to settle the ongoing class action over the live export compensation for the ban back in 2011. Um, The industry had put forward a figure of $510 million, but that's been knocked back by the federal government. What happens next? Well, it may all end up back in the courts. Earlier in the program, we had David Connolly 
on the show. If you want to catch that, uh, it's available via our podcast a little bit later today. Still to come this half hour, we're going to check in with a ranger out in Timber Creek. There's plenty of action there in the river at Timber Creek. And a reminder, at this time of the year, especially when the floods are happening... It's always good to remain crocwise. We know crocodiles travel up to 300 kilometres looking for food and a mate. So they're moving around, um, they're hungry, and the best thing to do to stay safe is stay five metres back from the edge. Yeah, that's all coming up very soon. But first, let's get the latest from the Weather Bureau where we've got Billy Lynch on the line. How are you, Billy? Yeah, good, thanks, Dan. Now, let's start with some rainfall figures. Um, From what I'm seeing on the map, not quite as many red dots of 100 mil plus, but um, still pretty widespread rain, hey? Yeah, spot on. Compared to recent days, it's um, a little bit less, but uh, I guess we've seen widespread 50s to 100s across parts of the Barclay district in in at least the rain gauges that we've got. So um, Tennant Creek with 89 millimetres, Elliot's come in with uh, 57. Um, We've seen a few falls of between 30 and 60 millimetres across the, the Catherine and Waterhouse uh, rivers with yeah, Nipmuluk Ridge, uh, 56.6. And then the Vic Rivers also had kind of similar rainfall amounts of around 30 to 60s with one isolated fall at Coolabar to 112. Yeah, and then there is flood warnings out for the Vic River. Is that expected to continue to rise? Yeah, most most definitely, Dan. Um, actually, I should say just with the rainfall figures, probably last night there was a a really persistent area of um, look like heavy rain on satellite across that northwest Barkley, um, west of Elliot, where we don't have any rain gauges. So I'm sure there was some much heavier falls there. Now, yeah, the, the forecast for the rest of today and then into the weekend, um, it, it's all around that tropical low, which is going to be slow moving um, today and also tomorrow near Elliot. Um, and then the low is going to begin to move uh, westwards across the Vic River catchment during Sunday. So uh, we're expecting, I guess, similar rainfall totals across that Vic River area today and tomorrow. And then from Saturday night through to about Monday morning, probably getting heavier as the low moves across the region. So it's almost guaranteed that there'll be further uh, river rises through the catchment. Okay, yeah, just repeating that there. So it's still a lot more rain to come for the Vic River catchment. Of course, we saw two communities, Pigeonhole and Dagaragu, um, evacuated yesterday. Um, but yeah, still plenty more to come. Um, as far as the Daly River is concerned, Billy, um, it's at moderate flood levels at the moment. Is that expected to get much higher? No, not really. Um, yeah, the river gauge at um, Daly River Police Station is starting to level out now at the moderate level. Um, there are still further sort of floodwaters upstream that uh, are yet to make their way through the river and we are still forecasting sort of scattered rainfall across the catchment as well. So there could be slight rises, um, but we're pretty confident that it's not going to reach major um, but we do expect it to remain at that moderate flood level throughout the weekend and potentially for much of next week. Yeah okay because there is still some water to come down the Catherine River um, a minor flood warning for out of the gorge there um, has been issued this morning. 
Yeah, correct. So, yeah, recent rainfall um, has caused, yeah, the, the river at Nitmalik Centre and um, some minor flooding along Gorge Road. So um, that's at the minor flood level at the moment. Um, we're relatively confident that that's not going to reach the moderate flood level, but uh, do suspect, yeah, with those further um, rainfall um, totals upstream and the potential for some further rainfall through that region for it to sort of remain around that minor flood level. Um, but in terms of Catherine Town and the Catherine Bridge, it's still uh, well under the bridge and we're, we're not expecting um, it to reach the, the minor flood flood level at, at Catherine. Yeah, there's a, a great little website on the Catherine Town Council's page um, called River Cam. From what I can see right now, it's pretty well live. It's uh, just about 11 metres um, so, yeah, still a fair bit of air underneath that bridge there. Uh, Billy, for those in central Australia is there, and around the Alice Springs region, is there much respite for the heat on the horizon? Not really. It's a kind of a combination of heat and humidity. Um, yeah, moisture levels are, are really high through central Australia at the moment. So uh, currently seeing some a few thunderstorms across the southern Barkley and then, yeah, chance of some showers or thunderstorms this afternoon across the the Simpson and around the Alice Springs region. So, yeah, if it's not the humidity, which is the main thing around Alice Springs, it's the the excessive heat around Curtin Springs and the southwest Lassiter where the temperatures are up around, you know, the low to mid-40s. So, um, respite, yeah, look, maybe next week there'll be a little bit more cloud cover come through, um, drop the temperatures down, but probably staying humid um, for some time yet. Okay. Um, anything else we need to know, Billy? Uh, look, it's hard to um, keep track of it all. <laughs> all <laughs> I the guess warnings, across, yeah. Yeah, look, the only other thing, just across the the north, it's still quite windy with the, the monsoon, so we've got coastal wind warnings for all our coastal waters, and that will continue throughout the weekend as well. Yep. Oh, and just while we're on it, there's a potential cyclone developing over in the Coral Sea. Is that... Um, uh, any any chance of impacting the territory? Uh, look, no. I'd say that's a um, pretty slim chance at this stage, but it, it's definitely a weather system to watch. Um, yeah, for anyone along the Queensland coast, um, there's still a bit of uncertainty in the middle part of next week, but uh, if I was anywhere along the Queensland coast, I'd be paying a lot of attention. Um, yeah, on our seven-day cyclone forecast, it does kind of indicate the remnants of that system could move towards the Northern Territory towards the end of the next week, but um, long way to go between now and then, so I'm not too worried at this stage. Okay, thanks for the update, Billy. There's a lot going on. appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Uh, it's Billy Lynch there at the Weather Bureau. It is coming up to 13 minutes past one, and you're on the Country Hour on ABC Radio right across the Territory. G'day, I'm Lisa Pepper and I'm in here at Darwin Port where we're currently in the process of loading a couple of thousand head onto the Greyman Express for live export. And thanks for listening to the Country Hour. Let's head back to the Victoria River region at the moment where the town of Timber Creek is currently cut off in all directions. The Victoria Highway is, of course, closed from just outside of Catherine all the way to the WA border. There's flood warnings out for the Victoria River. That river has uh, got a whole lot of water coming down and plenty more to come, as we've heard there. Uh, Dominic Michelle, she's a senior district ranger for the Victoria River District based in Timber Creek. Uh, Annie Brown had a chat with her this morning at how things are looking in the region. 
So Timber Creek's faring, faring pretty well at the moment. We've had um, Monday we've got 110 mils of rain here in Timber Creek and from Tuesday to Friday we've had about 230 mils. Um, the Vic River is fairly inundated with water following some pretty big heavy rainfalls out at Coolabar Station. So that takes about 18, 20 hours to get to us. So we've seen that water come in now. Um, and pretty good feel around the community. I think everyone's pretty well rehearsed this year post last floods. They're, you know, they're not, they seem pretty relaxed. Um, food security apparently is pretty good in the town. Everyone's looking forward just to catching some barramundi, I think. Um, and yeah, we're, we're limited to accessing country at the moment, but as soon as everything recedes, we'll be, um, you know, getting out onto park again, prepping it for um, the dry season when we can let visitors back in. So has the Vic River expanded at Timber Creek there? Is it looking quite wide and, yeah, sort of creeping closer to town? It is, yeah. It's it's um, it's pretty full. So the Bradshaw Military Army Base, um, the bridge is over the water there. The water's over the bridge there, sorry. Um, and Little Horse and Big Horse Creek are over the bridges. Um, so yeah, obviously it's going to be a while away till they open the main Victoria Highway. Um, and yeah, we're limited um, to access just to the town lim town limits. Um, there was a couple of evacuations through the week in the region. So our local police here have um, put in some, you know, out of out of standard, a bit higher than previous years, I think, in policing access around town and just limiting limiting risk to all the people here. Um, I think some of the locals, you know, everyone's okay with that, but most people are used to getting down to the Victoria River Bridge there and um, and having a look um, and they're unable to do that. So yeah, we're just having to get around and all the other, <laughs> the other moving water bodies around the place. So can you still uh, leave Timber Creek and go towards WA or is that closed as well? So yeah, the Vic River's closed from Catherine all the way through to the WA border. Um, so yeah, we're just restricted within our town limits here. Those other small lying communities in between, um, I believe some of those are starting to be evacuated if they haven't already, um, coming into Timber Creek. And then the ones closer towards Kununurra will be probably they, um, evacuated to Kununurra. Um, I think Pigeon Hole's already been evacuated. Um, yesterday, I believe they would have completed that operation now. And do you have any truck drivers or anything parked up in the town as well, or is it mostly locals? We do. There's only not too many trucks, not as many as I thought we would have had. There's a couple of trucks, but there is a few buses as well, uh, to being two buses. So I think everyone's, um, you know, in the hotel. We're not got too much rain today, so there's a lot of people still just walking around and looking, and everyone's still busy working within the town and from my understanding yeah those people that are stuck here until at least probably midweek next week um, will be able to be accommodated for as far as food and, and shelters concerned. So looking uh, towards the weekend more rains expected to come around the Sunday mark is that right? That's right from my understanding Sunday Monday between us um, Kununurra and also all the way down through Wave Hill Kalkarinji we're going to cop well yeah one weather platform I was looking at is saying, you know, 30 mils an hour. So, you know, for probably the two of those days. So with the Vic River being 
pretty much had its most full holding capacity now. Yeah, that will be something obviously for us to keep an eye on. We've got Timber Creek here and Watch Creek. So those push into the Vic River. So with the Vic River full, yeah, that's going to mean just we're going to have to be on guard here in Timber Creek. Um, yeah, we've been busy moving, lifting everything up to higher ground, trying to get as best prepped as we can. But yeah, it's been changing a lot, the weather, obviously, just a, just continuous, continuously changing. So whether or not Sunday and Monday high rainfall predictions do come to fruition, we'll just wait and see and hope for the best. It's a uh, a big flood event for yeah the people in town, but what does it mean for the country? How does how does the country respond to this much rain? Oh, it's looking pretty amazing. Um, it's responding really well. I mean, I think we haven't, aside from the actual river systems, um, it's sort of hard to see obviously now. You know, veg- any vegetation loss or anything like that until that water subsides again. Um, but all the hilltops and the escarpments, they're, they're looking pretty um, happy and healthy, actually, especially we had some, had a terrible wildfire season. Um, so everything's just responded really well. I feel very lucky to be out on country um, during this time and see everything bounce back after the fires. Dominique Michelle, she's a senior district ranger for the Victoria River District based there in Timber Creek, having a chat to Annie Brown about all the rain and all the flooding that is happening in that region. The Victoria River is on the rise. Uh, it's well and truly over the bridge there at the Vic River Roadhouse and, yeah, the road to Western Australia. It is closed from just outside of Catherine. Start up to date with that via the Roads Report NT website. Uh, time now for a tune here on the Country Hour and up next uh, we're going to be talking about the importance of staying crockwise in the wet season. First aid kit there with postcard. You're tuned into the Country Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald, on ABC Radio right across the territory. We've had a text in on a number of zero four eight seven double nine one zero five seven from Larry. He writes that just last weekend we drove from Kununurra to Darwin uh, just before the road closed. They got home. And he says uh, that the countryside from Derby to Catherine is in a coat of green and it's so nice to see the country at this time of the year, says Larry. Yeah, it is a a lovely drive through that region, especially when you're heading around the Vic River Roadhouse. There's all these sorts of uh, flat-top escarpments with these red cliffs and when there is a bit of water flowing off them, they can just waterfalls cascade off the side. It's pretty magical country. Now, with rivers in the top end, right across the place, well and truly in flood. That means that saltwater crocodiles, well, they'll be taking the opportunity to move around into areas they can't get into in the dry season. In the light of last week's croc attack on that young boy near Jabiru, uh, Savannah Golf Engagement Ranger Stacey Kesner, she says it's important to stay crocwise in the wet season. It's beautiful and it's exciting, uh, but there is a risk with the increase of water. So when the rivers fill up, the saltwater crocodiles can move around a lot more easily. Uh, Catherine Rivers joins up to Daly River and Flora River. And we know crocodiles travel up um, up to 300 kilometres looking for food and a mate. So they're moving around, um, they're hungry. And the best thing to do to stay safe is stay five metres back from the edge. Another factor to consider when you're going to 
the rivers is that some of the river levels have changed. It will fluctuate with different um, rainfall, um, with the amount of rainfall. So the banks can be really slippery. And so that's really dangerous too. If you're going in it, to go and have a look at the river, it's really important to remember that sometimes the rivers come up and down the mud is slippery, so staying far back so you don't slip into the river is really important because there's fast-flowing currents and saltwater crocodiles cruising around. For people that go out fishing, what, what are things that um, people need to look out for during the wet season? Where there's barra, that's my little rule, if there's barra, there's going to be a saltwater crocodile. Um, so I, one um, thing that I do see a lot of fishermen do is sometimes they'll go over the side of their boat with lip grips and grab the fish that way. Um, and, you know, we've had stories told to us with crocs being under the boat because as they've brought the fish up, the crocs come up with um, chasing the fish as well. So it's really important to use a landing net when you're fishing. So even if you're fishing from the bank, a landing net is going to help you have a barrier to um, protect yourself from a saltwater crocodile. So why do you think Northern Territory residents are too relaxed about crocs or tend to be in the more relaxed side? I'm a Darwin born and bred girl, so I've grown up in croc country. Uh, but I grew up when there wasn't that many crocodiles. So they were nearly extinct um, in the 70s by hunters um, hunting for their leather. Um, and the NT government put in a law to protect the species. So it's a conservation success story, really, because they were nearly all gone. And a part of the Crocwise program is to is to have those conversations with people who've grown up with crocodiles but not many around. So I used to swim in places that you would never swim in now. And it just wasn't a conversation we had growing up. And as the populations have grown, and there's now 100,000, estimated 100,000 animals, things have changed. So our story has changed. I can't go swimming where I used to go swimming because the risk is there now. And that's okay. That's a good thing. We want to protect crocodiles. And it's just important that we change our behaviours and stick to the pools, not the rivers. So coming on to the question, um, what is actually open and where can we swim uh, in the Catherine region? Yeah, in the Catherine region, I mean, look, it could change in a couple of hours with the rainfall. So in natural waterways, we have designated swimming areas that are a low risk, which means rangers work really hard on park to um, manage and survey that area from saltwater crocodiles so that we can have natural areas to go and explore and enjoy. Um, I recently just took my kids to Mataranka, the thermal pools. It was spectacular. But like I said, things change really quickly with this weather and you will probably see some closures in those waterways um, and it will be because there will be an increased risk with crocodiles entering the area. The level, water level will come up, clarity will change and rangers just won't be able to monitor that area as well as they can in the dry. And current, currents are really dangerous thing as well. So you might see top pools at Eater Falls closed just because of the current 
Um, so keep an eye on our websites because our websites are updated as soon as there is a closure. Stacey Kesner, she's the Savannah Golf Engagement Ranger, speaking there with Jan Kahoot. Now, just quickly, the big news of today is that the federal government has rejected an offer to settle the long-running class action about live exports. President of the NT Cattlemen's Association, David Connolly, told us the industry will continue to fight for compensation. This group suffered enough, you know, they've suffered together, they'll stay together. If government expects us to wither or cave in now, then guess again. I can tell you with absolute certainty, our resolve has never been firmer. And despite the harm the government is inflicting on us, we're not frightened by them. We're not weakened and we're up for this fight and we will continue to fight until we get the justice we have fought for for over a decade. If you want to read more on that story, uh, just go onto the ABC Rural website where you'll find more details. That's it for me and for the Country Hour this week. Matt Brand will be back on your radio on Monday. Take it easy. Music.